0: And Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the coaches panel.
1: This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Pennebry from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening
0: to the coaches panel. Patrick Coombs from the Car Footy Club. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from
1: the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey, friends. you Got MJ from the coaches panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 most relevant. We're down to the final five players left to go today. Patrick Dangerfield is the player I've got sitting at number five. He is a mid forward. And is he the highest forward on the board or not? Look, we'll get to that in a couple of days time. Uh, Joining me on this episode, I've got Benny Gogos. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey MJ, it's great to be doing this on Zoom finally. Really
0: excited to see your face and um, it's a really exciting play we're talking about today, Paddy. It is.
1: Well, you've just given away all the secret herbs and spices about how we get this done behind the scenes, but that's okay. mate. look, this 30-year-old mid-forward has been an absolute beast for us across the fantasy community for so many years. Last year, his top score in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy was an unadjusted 110 while in Supercoach. It was a 170 against the Sydney Swans. Neither of those scores are even close to what he did as a career high score. You got to go back to a specific game just as he entered the Geelong Football Club back in 2016 against North Melbourne. He dominated this game. It was a 2 2 9 against North Melbourne in Supercoach. Yep, a monster 200 club score. While in North Melbourne for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, it was a 187. It is a pretty impressive game.
0: Yep, go for it. If
1: you If you want to look at what his average was last year, it was an 81.7 in Dream Team. While that's adjusted up to AFL Fantasy, multiplying that by 1.25, that's a 102, certainly making him one of the better forward options for us in that format. While in Supercoach, the format that he's always been a better performer in, that's saying something because the dude can score in DT and Fantasy, a 113.8 in Supercoach. In that format, just priced over $610,000 right on 780K in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, just a touch over 750K. And Benny, last year, we we lost some big name forwards for us across the fantasy footy community. Guys like Andrew Brayshaw, Christian Petrarca, Jai Simpkin, all moving out, just to name a few. But then every year, the friends at Champion Data, they just gift us one back. And yet again, Patrick Dangerfield, back eligible as a forward, and no doubt he'll be a popular pick because of it.
0: Oh, he absolutely will be, MJ. Um, since 2012, and I think that was a year actually. A lot of the fantasy footy community bought him at his uh, at the cheapest price we got him in that in that past sort of ten years. He broke out. He um, went from a 70 average to 102 in Dream Team. Went from an 80 to 118 in Super Coach. Yeah, and he's been ever consistent for us since since that period. He's been. Highly durable, only last se- last season was the first year and obviously like that that was affected by COVID. Um, the first year where he actually dropped um, under that 20 game a season home and away um, out- output. So he's, he's been an incredibly reliable player, whether we've been able to select him as a midfielder or a forward. Um, the, the forward stocks are super thin this year. So he's one that we immediately look to as soon as we're clicking on that forward eligible status he's one that pops off the uh pops off the the book for us so it's going to be a really interesting discussion i've got a few thoughts that maybe are going to warp proceedings a little bit from what perhaps is like the traditional thinking with danger right now but overall, fantastic footballer, as we all know, and um, he's going to be great again in 2021. It's just going to be a matter of when that happens.
1: Yeah, I think so. Look, last year, you ranked first across the entire AFL for total goal assists, second for inside 50, second for total contested possessions, second for total metres gained, and third for total centre clearances. You alluded to the fact of that 17-game season last year. It was the first time since 2016 that he's played every single game of AFL available. Look, that said, he has only missed four games since 2014. Um, And so the guy's got that great strong durability for us so that even though some in the media might say he flops and over-dramatizes injuries and niggles and moments like that in-game, the fact is, When Patrick Dangerfield's playing, he can score and he plays more often than he misses. Last year in Dream Team and Fantasy, that average of 81.7, you can adjust that up to a 102 and included three pure tons and then four scores between 90 and 99 and an additional three 80 or more. So in reality, 10 of his 17 games in that adjusted average territory of 100. Now, if you don't want to do the adjusted average, fine. 80 was the 100 of last year. And so we were counting that in genuine captaincy territory considerations to get that last year. 10 out of your 17, really nice conversion. Similar in Supercoach last year, an average of 113, 12 tons, five of them over 130. And just the two scores sub 83 all year. You, you want to go back the year earlier. That's fine. We can do that too. He averaged 170 dream team and fantasy, 14 scores over 100. Six over 120, including a final round, 150. While in Supercoach, similar average to what he gave us this year. 115, nice average. 13 tons, eight of them. This is the crazy part. Eight in 2019 were over 140. He's pretty durable. He's got a ceiling, especially in Coach, that nobody really that we've got has that's fully fit and firing can go anywhere near that level of ceiling or a few years ago. And we can pick him as a forward. And with all those things, you'd think Ben, he should be the first picked, but oh. there's reasons for him not to be just yet. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely.
0: So he, he's an absolutely fantastic player for us. And he has been for a long time. But he's had a groin injury in the preseason. He's had a groin injury that he's been struggling with for now the best part of four or five months.
1: Well, since the grand final, like that's one of the biggest disappointments of that game, wasn't it? You want to see the elite AFL players on the grandest stage of them all playing at their best. And clearly injury was a primary cause of why we didn't see the best of danger. And you mentioned it's still impacting to this moment.
0: Absolutely right, mate. Now he's all, he's also been a very, very physical combatant. His playing style has not been, um, he, he's not received most, the vast majority of his touches in an uncontested fashion. He's yeah. been a brute and he's slowly adapted his playing style to play a little bit more forward. So he's getting a little bit more, uh, a little bit less impact on his body, but typically for a player of that standard. And we, we saw that a little bit with sort of Joel Selwood over the past couple of years is, they'll have to be forced outwards in order to, long, like to, to prolong their careers, to make it a, a more extensive uh, last five years of their career. So what could potentially happen with Danger here is that we see him play a little bit more forward. Now, um, that would not be too dissimilar to the way that Richmond used uh, Dustin Martin. It would not be too dissimilar to the way that um, footy clubs are now looking to use their stars and push them into the midfield towards the back end of the year. When potentially, you know, the, the chances of, uh, of premiership success become more and more important. Um, so what we're, what we're potentially looking at with Danger is that there might be a slight adjustment in his role. And playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but I, I can see a slow start for him. Now, there, there's contrary views. He's, he's sure. uh, got a great first seven to eight weeks of the season which does hurt proceedings. I would be very adamant in not starting him if he had a tough start to the season Hmm. and he ran into a tag or two, because I'd love to take on players. MJ, it's what, it's what makes the game exciting for me. So, um, and this is Patrick Dangerfield. I mean, lo and behold, he's going to be one of the most owned players in fantasy in 2021, rightfully so. Uh, But it's looking at these little, little places where you might be able to get an edge on the competition. So, look, do I think that it's more likely he's going to have the worst season from a fantasy perspective in his last 10 seasons V. do I think he's going to have his personal best season? Hmm. I think it's way more likely we see a move to the downside than we see a move to the up. So with with that, the way that I personally play is I like to take in a lot of risk. I like Hmm. to see if I can maybe find, um, you know, a Tom Lynch or someone who's – potentially at that bottom value that people aren't looking at um, as being highly credible, but has a, has maybe a 20 point, um, you know, advantage on their price at this moment in time. So all of those things make me think that maybe I can find better value elsewhere and potentially go out and get a a Josh Kelly, you know, obviously on a different line, but someone who presents, in my opinion, immense value at that top premium marker. So all of those things are making me think maybe not danger in 2021, but MJ, I'm a crazy coach. Um, and that's the way that I like to play the game, mate.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. You, were, you know, there's a couple of things there I want to look at. For those that are curious about that fixture that Ben alluded to, round one is against the Crows. Last year, they are the easiest teams to score against. So that's solid round two. A team they beat in the preliminary final in Brisbane. Okay, yep, fair enough. Hawks, probably like Adelaide, more on the developing side of where they're at. Melbourne, yep, competitive enough. North Melbourne, again, on the redeveloping side of life. Uh, they take on West Coast at home. It's always a much more different variable of Geelong at home uh, against West Coast than Geelong away against West Coast. Then Sydney, Richmond, look, that'd be a great game. But from a fantasy perspective, should be no problems if dangers fit in firing. Then heading into the final few rounds before the round 12 by St. Kilda, Gold Coast, Collingwood are those teams that you've got through there. I think what's really important to note, um, and I'm keen to get your take in a second on it, this too, Benny, is they've had a fairly big acquisition to their side, not- notable acquisition to their side in a couple of different lines. One, Jeremy Cameron's popped into that forward line. All of a sudden, both he and Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron kicked off the 50 most relevant. Um, both have been so used to being the number one target of opposition defenders, Now, one of them is going to get the second best tall target. What a great blessing for that football club. So that's one big acquisition into the forward line. The other, they've brought in a real classy wingman from Hawthorne. So even though he's not at the peak of his powers anymore, Isaac Smith still is an elite endurance athlete who's going to offer something on the outside for that footy club. And then Sean Higgins, again, totally towards the back end of his career, but just oozes class, can go into the midfield, do something dominant through the clearances, and then can replicate moments of what Gary Ablett did last year in terms of role, not in terms of player, um, through that forward half. So they've got three really big pieces of the puzzle that have come in. What do you think? I know you think he spends maybe a little more time forward you alluded to, but with those three big pieces of the puzzle coming in, before we even talk about where he's at in terms of his health, what do you think that's going to mean for him in terms of his fantasy output?
0: Honestly, the um the thought that comes to my mind. So there are three huge, huge inclusions for the club. The thought that comes to my mind is that that's going to enable their, uh the footy club at the Cats to have much more rotation. They're going to ha- be able to move players in and out of their lineup on a maybe four week basis. So you might see that Danger actually gets a rest every so often, mm. um, as opposed to what we've what we alluded to at the beginning of this. This podcast, MJ, he's barely missed a game in the past like eight to 10 years of his career. Yeah. Now, Jeremy Cameron coming in, immediate thought is, oh, well, Patrick Dangerfield's not going to be able to spend as much time forward. Uh, that's the obvious thought. But then you've also got um, more midfield depth coming in. So you've got Isaac Smith, you've got Sean Higgins. And I, I tend to think that uh, what we've seen with COVID and COVID and sport is that it's a highly adaptable environment. Um, the professional landscape has changed beyond comprehension. Players don't necessarily know when training is going to occur. Like yeah. we've just seen in, in Melbourne with the lockdown over the past 24 to 48 hours, it's completely thrown out training plans that sports scientists have spent the last two months developing. Yeah. So, so essentially what, what that means in really uh, finite terms is that it's very hard to predict exactly what's going to be happening on a day-to-day basis, let alone the longer term. So I, I think what the, what the outcome of that means is that we're going to see more resting. It's what, it, it's what makes sense to me. In terms of positionality, I still think that we're going to see danger spend a little bit more time forward because the, the mental strain on players in 2021, as it was in 2020, and the physical strain due to COVID, due to unforeseen circumstances, due to due to the fact that their training has been thrown out, due to the fact that they still don't know what's going to be happening from on a day-to-day basis. All of these things lend themselves to more injury occurring, and for that reason, I'm I'm tending to think that Danger is someone who will see a resting or two. Look, is he a fantastic scorer, MJ? Of yes, he is. Fantastic scorer. We're talking about very minute differences here where potentially he goes from someone who is projected to score around 110 in supercoach to maybe he drops off to 105. Is he still going to be an elite forward? Yes. Is he someone that maybe you can pick up after a lean run and then pick and get him for a bargain basement price? The potential for that is, is yes. In my opinion, that would be a way of looking at things. But you know that that's just a contrarian view because I didn't want to come on here and tell you let's all buy Dangerfield. That's (laughs) not an exciting podcast. So I'm uh, throwing a little bit of the the devil's advocate there, but I I think you know there's enough reason to think maybe I can uh, avoid danger for the first four to five to six weeks of the season.
1: I think so, and especially knowing that right now that groin injury has really hampered his preseason as yet. I'm in the middle of February, he hasn't joined any of the full training so not just the match simulation sure like he hasn't competed in a full training session yes we're still a month away from the games getting underway that's got to give you an element of concern that if you want him in your starting squad which is what Ben's talking about taking on that mindset not taking on whether or not you're ever going to own him or not but around that starting squad what do you need to see from him to actually be able to pick him well personally for me knowing that what danger does incredibly well is he offers such great strength and burst from stoppage and from contested moments how many times have we seen danger find a way to get in and under the pack and then just use that five to seven meter burst of speed to just put separation on him from opponents if you've got a groin injury that you've been managing through That ability to get in and around the ball from a midfield perspective or to get separation on the lead from a forward perspective is so critical. If he plays in the Amy community series, I need to see that from him to give me any sense of confidence that I could pick him in round one. If I don't see that, even if he plays, I'm going to probably lean on the more hesitant side of things and go, you know what? Maybe even with that great fixture, I still take him on. Because for me, that's the biggest query and question mark for me. How that body holds up to do what the mind of danger will want to do, which is be bullet a gate. He doesn't know any other way. If the body's not going to allow him to do that, does he play more forward and he's scoring dips because of that? Or second, do the club, as you alluded to, provide him a game or two here or there to fully freshen him up? So for me, that's why if I was to start him, I need to see that burst in the preseason. And if I don't see the burst in the preseason, I'm still going to upgrade to him, but I'm probably not going to start him. What's your take on that, Benny?
0: Yeah, as of this moment, I'm not personally starting him, and I agree with all those reasons that you've outlined there, MJ. So, what what I would need to see from him is that he he comes out in the press and he basically says I'm 100% right to go. Yeah. And then I physically see it in a game. And I, w- I actually want to see him dominate for a quarter or two. Yes. Not necessarily go and get 30 touches in a, in a nab game or a preseason game, but uh, really dominate and just show that, hey, he's still Patrick Dangerfield. Correct. Now, I can see a totally different, I can see a total world where he starts off slow for the first four to five weeks. The Cats are still dominating opponents. Yep. It's such an easy run. And then he comes into his own in the back half and everyone at, at the category is licking their lips at that prospect. I, as a fantasy coach, am, am licking my lips at that prospect. So for me right now, it's a hesitant pass, yep. but it's going to be fascinating, mate, because this is the type of decision which is going to make make or break fantasy sides. Yeah. He's very much capable of coming out in the first four weeks and averaging 135 in super coach.
1: Yeah, and, you and I, so much,
0: yeah. you and I left hiding behind the couch every time we're watching a Geelong game.
1: So... <laughs> absolutely uh,
0: yeah so that that's the type of world we're we're in right now but it's going to be fantastic and I, I love to play fantasy by you know holding the ball by its horn so I'll be uh, I'll be missing him in 2021
1: yeah and look if you're not going to start with him for whatever reason it because you've got some role concerns whether you've got some durability concerns there's some injury or, or you just don't like paying that much money for a forward premium in a line we've got some questions about what our premiums could be maybe you're just going yeah I don't I don't trust it. So I'll go elsewhere. All those reasons are fine. I think if you're not starting him, gosh, he's absolutely an upgrade target for you with that round 12 buy. He does give you the opportunity to make him one of the earlier guys you go and bring into your team, either at the multi-buy round or during the season. Um, He gives you a look at either of those avenues. So I think at some point in time, you're going to want Dangerfield in your team. The question is when and not If that's why he makes himself inside the top five of the 50 most relevant. Some players we've talked about, even up to before today are ifs. When is the question for danger field? Not a question of if, but speaking of ifs where he goes in drafts really interests me because a fully fit danger, he's a round one pick, but I don't know with that concern of round one, is that enough to turn a coach away from picking him in round one? He'd still be someone's F1, but do they wait into the second round to get him? What's your take, Benny? What do you do with him on draft day?
0: I was actually going to ask you this question, MJ, oh, but you, are, you got to it first, uh, mate. But yeah, I would be taking him second round. There's no way he's getting into the first round for me. Yeah, Categorically, I'm not taking him him in the first round. I have question marks over people that, that are. The reason for that is what we spoke about earlier in the podcast. Um, And this is obviously, these are are comments that are related uh, more towards the AFUF style of uh, fantasy scoring, which is the the typical well-known dream team format. Mm -hmm. He, in my opinion, um, he's not gonna have his best fantasy uh, season of all time in 2021. And for that reason, I wanna see my, the first player that I select in the draft have the capacity of going above and beyond what they've done previously. Yeah. and potentially being the, the breakout player of the game. So it, if we're looking back to 2020, Lockie Neal was that player that went from being a very, very solid scorer to being an outstanding force to be totally. reckoned, reckoned with. Um, so that, that's where I'm, I'm taking Danger the second round. I'm taking him mid-second round to late second round. I think the first 15 selections, I believe I could find better players. Yeah, well, um, I know that's that's going to be contrary to a few opinions but I would really... thought
1: Ben being yeah. controversial.
0: <laughs> um, I'm intrigued to hear what you've got to say on the Matter man.
1: Uh, yeah I just purely because of that question mark about whether he's going to be right for round one, you can't invest a first round pick on that. Um, but I think he goes super early in the second round. I, I, I don't know many drafts that will just wait on him. They they might just try to go heavy on forwards to maybe counterbalance it a little bit. But people will be sucked into the name. Maybe sucked in not the right term. They'll see the name and be seduced by the name. It's probably a better way of saying it and go... I want Dangerfield. I want arguably one of the safest top tier forwards I'm going to get through the year. And so they'll absolutely jump for it. So I do see a draft where he goes in the round one still because people just go, I want Dangerfield and I want him now. Go for it. Okay, that's fine. I I couldn't advocate for it with that injury and durability question mark right now. If he was fit and firing, different story altogether in this podcast, in part, would have some different elements to it than what it did. But because he's got that query for me, Second round, but very early second round he'll go, knowing that also some will just go crazy and want to take him in the first, which is all good. Hey, Ben, appreciate your work today, man. No worries, Matt. Thanks for having me, Matt. If you want to go check out the article on Patrick Dangerfield, it's available for you online now at coachespanel.tv. There are 45 players that have been revealed of the 50 most relevant so far. Go back and check it out. Maybe you're a part of the Victorian lockdown life. Both Benny and I are doing that at the moment. Um, So maybe if you start your preseason, go and listen to the hours of episodes. I think there's well over about 15 hours of episodes you can go and check out. uh, Just the 50 most relevant episodes so far. Yes, I can help put you to sleep every single night uh, with different members of the fantasy footy community. If you're loving these episodes and want to get them early as well as additional exclusive content, you can join our Patreon supporter group. All the links, well, you can find that exactly where you get the articles at coachespanel.tv. All right, four players to go in the 50 most relevant. Just the other day, I told you that I were done with pure midfielders. So we're down to only three other available lines to go. Who are the four? Well, our Patreons already know one of them, and we'll find out for the rest of you.